You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Elevator's Cut. I'm one of the hosts, Roger Gaddis. And I'm the other host, Jason Wheeler. And And we're here, fully bearded for the winter. It's been a long time. You know, fall is normally what we call our slow time, so I figure we'll get a bunch of podcasts done in that time. How'd we do, Roger? Well, I listened to a bunch. It's good. That's good. (laughs) We, uh, We hadn't had much time to come in together. Um. I guess, uh, is it COVID still? Can people still blame COVID for everything? Uh, it's a family. It's holidays. That's what you blame this time of year. All right. Well, we're, we're, we're back. Thanks to, uh, some encouragement from a listener. Some people might say their fans are supportive. Mm-hmm. I say our fans are persistent. Mm-hmm. Yes. And eventually you capitulate. <laughs> and so here we are. Recording again. <laughs> we got a text uh, encouragement from the prairies of the North Dakota. And is it North Dakota? I don't know. I, Dakotas are all North. If you ask me. From here. I have never it's all about your considered Dakotas Southern in any way. They don't talk right. You know what I mean? I hear they are not fans of rice. Or hot sauce. Or iced tea. <laughs> or uh, cauliflower. So <laughs> anyway, we got some Pringles in the mail. We did. So we're back. And to the podcast. You guys got to do it. Thanks to uh, the grade lady at the, the, yeah. I don't know the two E's. Is it? Cause it's a, a hard E. It's the King James version. Ah, yee. Yeah. Yee. Yee. <laughs> yee. Yeah. I gotcha. I, it makes perfect sense now. So thank you. The grade lady for Pringles. My kids, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So October, early October was our last uh, podcast. So has anything happened since early October, Roger, of, of note in the grain world? No. I don't think so, but I haven't been on Twitter in a long time. Well, that's because it doesn't exist anymore. So ah, this guy gets it. Yeah. Well, you've been Xing again, have you? That's right. <laughs> Anyways, we had harvest. Oh, and- oh that's right. That's that's a pretty big deal uh, in this world, and folks didn't want to sell anything. And we've had a couple of nice rolls, futures rolls since then. Mm-hmm. Corn from Dees to March, beans from Nova to Jan. Yep. And if you were a seller with a basis contract, you you took it in the end on both of them, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So a lot of basis rolls, that was a big hot topic this year, specifically on the corn, because D-Smart rolled off at an obscene level. 26? 26, yeah. Unbelievable carry market. So mm-hmm. whatever the basis was that you had sold, delivered, subtract 25 cents off of that, and that's where you are now versus the March, which is how math works. Yep. And that so that's the number you had to yell at the grain elevator about for it being their fault. Yes, yes, obviously you didn't tell. They didn't tell you what the spread would be ahead of time because, you know, they took full advantage of it because they knew exactly what would happen, which yeah. is also not true because a lot of people found themselves on 
the wrong side of that thing as well this year on top of more DP and less ownership and all the other, you know, late harvests in the East and all those things. So it's, it's been fun, a fun spread so far all around. It was a tough, so I'm looking up here, it officially roll off at 26 cents, but yeah, I mean, like you said, a lot that happened all within all, but you know, it was hanging out much half of that or teens yeah yeah yeah. mid-teens 12 to 14 yeah for up until like the last week or two yeah and then it just took off and so a lot of guys had pre-spread and they put stuff out there and they're they're feeling good about that roger how does that work for the elevator that depends okay like most things the longs not so much the shorts yeah it worked out pretty good so, anyways, it, to think that elevators got the full uh, benefit of a twenty-six cent roll on corn, and uh, looks like beans were a twenty-five cent roll. No to Jan. Pretty, wow, that's unbelievable. Yeah, that's, I don't. I think the D March is most ever all time, just as a number uh, nominally. Yeah, yeah, and so a lot of these guys, you know, but. 12 to 15 cents, they're covering their costs plus a little bit more. They're being smart. They're taking, you know, the money off the table. And now, you know, they are, if somebody versus another elevator, maybe that waited to the end, they're, they're 12 cents different from them. 12 12 or more cents. And when you think about like, what does an elevator make? I know everybody thinks elevators make fortunes of money, but they don't make a huge amount per bushel. And so specifically not within a month after harvest. Right. So 12 (laughs) cents is very substantial. Yeah. If you're in the middle of the the corn belt, that's a, that could be half easily in some places of total margin. Yeah. uh, High volume areas. And, you know, it goes out from there um, as a percentage of total margin. But yeah, it's a thing for sure. So as angry as you are about, having i we act like we're only talking to farmers but uh from a farmer you know from a farmer's perspective it's frustrating that you get this big uh basis adjustment on on a roll to a basis contract but for the elevator standpoint you know they they had to take an absolute loss on stuff if they uh rolled too much yeah which a lot of them did because there was there was not they much pricing. Bought as they thought, yeah, yeah. Farmers weren't selling, so they had more spreads on maybe than they needed. So then you got to take them off at the end. This just and- goes to show you if the guys will sell ahead, you're in, you're out. Everyone's better off. The entire system is better off. You know, the big thing this year too was the high DP fees, especially in the east. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge. I mean, some places twenty cents a month, which is nuts. DP, uh, which is another thing that folks do because they won't deferred sell. Deferred price, yeah. you know, they just don't they just want to pay rent to the elevator for their space until they decide to price it, essentially. Yep. And uh, so, you know, these high high DP fees, yeah, they're they suck, but they're there as a dissuasion mechanism to not keep your grain unpriced. It's there to try to, you know, say, hey, there's a better alternative out here. So I don't know how much of that stuff actually went on DP in those places. I, I, obviously, DP happened in a lot of places, but I'm I'm thinking it happened more where the rates didn't rise or didn't rise as severely as they did in the East. Right. But as a farmer, if you don't want to face steep DP fees, sell ahead. Sell. Don't don't DP it. 
And that helps the elevator too, to get ownership. They don't have to charge fees and, and, you know, make customers unhappy over them. So this is a simplistic term, but I believe it's a simplistic solution. Of course, it's hindsight. I can say, yeah, you should have went back in, in June and July and booked all your contract. Yeah. Well, you should have booked some of it. And if you get mad about that statement, well, I'm sorry, but it is what it is. Try to do better next year. I think everybody's going to try to do better next year. But we're already seeing some of the fallout of that is here we are a couple days before the end of 2023. And there's been a fair amount more than a fair amount of farmer selling between harvest and now for cash flow reasons so that tells us that guys aren't as cash flush maybe as they have been the last few years and it'll be really interesting to see after jan 2 how much more stuff gets sold because you know nobody wants to pay percentages right so that's that's the thing it's it makes sense to turn it into into money grain into money but if you look at it in the last couple of months price hasn't done anything but go down Golly, if you find yourself in January gotten to sell to money, sell at harvest and avoid that cost, you know. And and again, it's hindsight. I get it, but man, learn from learn from what happened this year and remember it and try to use it to your advantage next go around. There's just not a lot of good stuff that happens uh after harvest with prices. Obviously, someone can say, Well, look back at you know, two years ago or three years ago, and it, yeah, it went up, it was great, it was fantastic. I hope everybody took advantage of it because we all know if you've been doing this any amount of time, that's not a typical thing to rely on every year. Well, and, you know, like you always say, once a combine hits the field, if it's not sold, costs are rising on that crop, you know, and and that's and you could say, well, I took it in and put it on basis and that's free. Well, it is if you don't roll it. Yeah, it rolled at 26 cent and and even. Even if you don't roll it, I mean, a basis improves pretty quick after harvest a lot of times. And and uh, there's, you know, nothing nothing's free, I guess, really, right, right. when you get down to it. And adding costs to an already expensive crop when you already have interest rates, you know, the, the cost of interest right now is so big. Adding to that um, is is not a great recipe. And. The, the whole deal is, well, what if prices rally and I miss out on it? Well, as long as you're farming next year, you're not missing. You know, the crazy thing is that it seems like we as a society are addicted to forecasters and their forecasts and polling and their and what they come up with and surveys. And, and yet time in and time out, we see these forecasts be wrong. And yet we still desire to follow more forecasts. It's insanity. Hey man, this is so what some people enjoy, you know. It's not, uh, some of that is the case. Some of it, people hinge their livelihoods upon it, and I don't know that that's an enjoyment thing. I think there's a false hope type of thing too. Well, that that can be because I don't yeah. think there's. I think we like to think there's more thought put into this process of turning grain into cash than there actually is most times. Well, you know the the experts you listen to, they say things like, "Uh, well." If everything's based on information, right, that we know. So if we had all the information, we could tell you where prices are going. But any information could happen and change that. And information is random. And the timing of that information is random. I I, I listened to something recently, and it's just like, boom, all this stuff. And there's all these qualifiers and, and everything. The, the PowerPoint lists it all out. If you read the slide, you read the small print on the slides, it tells you. 
So what it comes down to is at the end of the day is, uh, which is another term. That or the is, beginning of the day. I mean, any time of the day. You bedtime. Mark could be open, close, who cares? But the at some point in a day, um, it, it comes down to, uh, yeah, I mean, you have to make a decision about about your business, your farm or, or whatever. And in the getting hung up on this stuff and letting it distract you can be, be a problem. And so I, I don't, I used to be like, I can't believe people listen to this stuff just because, you know, I don't see a value in it or I don't enjoy it. It doesn't mean it's not entertaining or interesting to, right to, to me at times or, or to anybody. Yeah. And, and so it's, there's nothing, it, you know, I think we can get on our high horse sometimes and be like, you shouldn't care about what the weather in Brazil is or how many boats China canceled or, you know, whatever. Um, that's so stupid. It doesn't have anything to do with your farm. Well, neither does my fantasy football team, but I still keep <laughs> up with it, you know? Right. And people got to delineate the difference between the two things. Exactly. And and I think a lot of people do. But I think the the temptation is also there to – this is a Wikipedia rabbit hole thing. If you keep going down this path, that's not getting you any closer to what you need to be doing. You know, mm-hmm. you can get on and click this link and holy cow. I don't know where I'm at now. There's interesting stuff. I love it. I've been doing it for an hour, but it didn't help me do whatever I probably initially got on Wikipedia to do in the first place, which was answer a question that my kid asked that I had no idea of the answer. So I, I you know, I think it's, it serves as it, it can serve as a big distraction over an outright evil thing, you know? Yeah. But, you know, everybody's free to do it with their time. It's great. We're Americans I always think, and we can do it. You know that movie um, with the Michael Scott guy and they were selling houses? Big Short. Big Short. You ever see that Did movie? They selling houses? Yeah, it was doing something. Buying them up, <laughs> not doing good with them. Moneyball? And they had that old guy that was like... Um, some super genius sitting in a room drawn on dry erase board saying this has to happen. The bubble's going to burst. Michael Burry. Nobody would listen to him. I don't know. Anyway, the Batman, that guy was in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it was that. That was the character. I don't know. Jim Caviezel, I think is his name. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, they, you know, and they're everybody with the, the whole like grain markets, right? Ever, everybody thinks, that person exists somewhere, right? Well, and you know, they and, probably do. It's Let's it's not it. me. It's not me, but you know, somebody. He's in a room. He's figured it out. He's got algorithms of calculus written on. He's got a whiteboard, dry erase board. Yeah, and it's written, and it's come to the equal sign at the bottom. And Matt Damon, janitor man, says it has to be this number, and. It's gonna. It has to be, and he's figured it out, and it's only a matter of time, right? I mean, that guy. And been, he knew that grew, guy grew a garden on Mars. He knows things, and everybody thinks that they're the person. And as long as it's bullish, you know. Ah, there's the key. It's it's good. Here's the deal too about just as a a, a reflection on humanity in general is we tend when we look in our own past we like to to think about the good things that happened as we we were responsible for that. You know, we, that was a good decision I made. Everything lined up and I oh, took yeah. right advantage of it. That's right. What we like to forget is 
the opposite of that. We forget our failures and we forget our, now saying this, people will be like, oh yeah, I didn't sell $7 corn, you know, 10 years ago when it got up to it. That's a one-off type of thing. What I mean is the failures that are consistent year in and year out, we forget those. And we think that our good decisions were just perfectly thing. There were, those weren't, there was failures yeah. backing up those decisions that caused that helped them to, to come to fruition. And so just this idea of if we're going to plant ourselves in the grain market, whether it's elevators with spreads, farmers with their grain to sell a year from now, let's not let this, what happened this year repeat itself. We don't know when the prices are going to rally. We don't know how high they're going to go, but we do know that we can change our, our, you know, motions and what we do to get to the point of taking advantage or avoiding certain things. And, that, and that's the big thing is learning, you know, learn from your mistakes. Well, to learn from your mistakes requires you not to forget your mistakes. Yeah. And I think that's that's always the cycle in ag. And it may be in other industries too, but doing farmer meetings year in and year out, it's the same stuff every single time. And it doesn't matter if prices are highly above cross production or below, it's the same thing. Are you one of those guys that just does farm meetings where it's just like cost of production for 45 minutes? Probably. Yes. I don't know. It's, 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 you know, I had a a good friend of mine told me that, uh, you know, stupid can't do simple. I'm sure that makes a lot of sense. Cause this, this is simple stuff. People always want it to be complicated because they think, well, it's gotta be. Because if it's simple, I could I'd be really good at it. Mm-hmm. Well, you well, can be good at it. It is simple. It doesn't no, make it easy. The problem is I know I'm bad at it. So it can't be simple. Yeah, because then go. I'd be bad at something that's simple. That's and I can't do that. You know, I gotta I, my IQ's 104, which is four higher than the highest possible score. Overachiever. <laughs> so no, it's uh it's one of those things. It it I get that. And go back to what you're saying, like a a lot of grain marketing for some people, you know, some people have a good process. Like you're talking about, know your cost of production. I got my seasonal thing where I put in targets and and having a good plan to execute. And then a lot of people are just kind of shoot from the hip and Mm -hmm. see what happens. I'm hope it's going up and some years it does. And they remember that and all all that stuff, but they get to the, it's random, right? The, right. What we understand just, yeah. is, and everybody understands this, the good, bad, you know, years, good, bad marketers, farmers, everybody understands it is pretty random and nobody really knows, right? But you'll tell yourself when you have success, what'd you do? Well, by God, i tell you what I did, <laughs> you know? And like you did something really great right. to make that happen. You now, you without tipping the, your hat to luck. Yeah, exactly. And, but people attribute that. And this you see, not just in grain marketing, but, but all over the place, like people have success in life and they've done things that have led them to that. Don't, don't get me wrong, obviously, but there's, you know, a lot of things in their life that maybe didn't lead to it, but they're like, it must have played a part in it. You know, I get up at, you know, 5 a.m. every day and run two and a half miles. And that is why I, you know, own Microsoft. No, it's not, you know, I mean, it's good that you do. I'm glad you're healthy, but, you know, maybe it has some distant effect, but, you know, somebody who gets up at 6 a.m. and a half miles distant effect, somebody gets up at 6 a.m. and runs, you know, four miles, maybe is still working at Target, you know, it's what's going on. That's what I'm asking right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it makes sense. It's, it's not a. 
you know, we like to draw these direct lines to to between information and action, and exactly. it's just never a direct line, hardly ever. You know why? There's this little thing called emotion that gets involved. Yeah. So do your stuff. Like all the stuff you like and are interested in, that's great. Yeah. But don't don't go and tell everybody else that they need to do every little thing that you're interested in, yeah. right? Everybody's because got preferences. Tell me about what you're interested in and what you do, but don't don't say like, well, you know, because I do this, you should do this. So this is why you are that? Doing. proselytizing. Proselytizing. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know how to projecting. I can't Arkansas. I can't pronounce it. But, you know, we're talking about mentioning producers, but the exact same stuff goes for merchandise when it comes to, okay, so there's cost of production on the farm side. What's the semi-equivalent of merchandise? Well, it's your grain flow. Know what typically comes in and out each month. Know what you typically own and sell each month. That gives you your confidence of knowing where to put your spreads. Because like you said, there are folks that just shoot from the hip on the spreads. I think I'll need this much and it sounds good and this number is probably good and I'll do it. Well, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, right? Uh, and the folks that that keep good grain flows don't always, you know, get the top end. They probably don't. They usually actually get lower spread levels just because they tend to be proactive earlier on that stuff. But they know it's going to work. They have good good idea on their policies, what's going to cause them to own grain at harvest. And they shoot for that. To, to, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you've got policies that line up with what your pre-spread intentions are, you'll probably hit it. If it's not, you probably won't. Yeah. If you don't want DP, guess what? Don't make it attractive. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Roger is an elevator. Dece March goes to 26 cents. What a... Now, when I'm putting together a, a grain flow and I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing, like after this year, what do you do? Because we see this a lot, like on the going back to the farmer side, we see, you know, everybody sells corn and it hits five dollars and then it goes to eight dollars. And everybody's like, by God, I'm never doing that again. Right. The same, it's same, the same sort of thing, there, right? Yeah. With the, the D-Smart spread is, you know, hey, if I ever get 12, 15 cents, I'm going to lock that down. I do. Went to 26. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how how are people going to react to that and how should they react to it? You know, I don't, what are your I, thoughts? This sounds flippant, but how you're, you should react the same way you'd react if you said it at 15 and it rolled off at 10. Or if you said it at 15 and it rolled off at 15. Yeah. That is how you should react. Which is emotionless. Yeah. If you well, use the spread and don't have to take any off, which necessarily was not the case this year, but if you use it up, you've got it. You made the decision. You go on go to the next bushel, just like on the producer. We tell them very easily. We'll say, well, you sold five, went to eight. We well, should be looking at next year or the next opportunity. Elevators need to be doing the same thing. You, you sold $5 corn because it made you money and that was a price you liked. Right. Well, that's a good thing. Yes. Now, you know, to the elevator, you set 15 cent D smarts because that was a that was a number you can make money at, you know, carrying grain. What we see though is like this year, they didn't buy as much. Now you have to take it off. Those spreads, as long as you buy the grain and carry it forward, you it's yeah, it's just you just there's some opportunity lost, but that's it. It's you didn't lose money. Yeah. You made the money at 15 cents that you said you were going to make that and that works. And so you shouldn't feel bad about it or anything. 
but it's when you have to take it off because right. you didn't buy as much. Which so is, maybe that's what, you know, maybe going forward, it's like, eh, I'm not going to sell right, as much. Right. And it, the equivalent on the producer side or an equivalent can be, you know, you didn't grow enough and you got to buy your contract and the market went up. It's, it's a cost thing, right? You, you've got this, this cost that can come into play. Why are you shaking so, your head? This is- I roll my eyes at this. Because so when this happens to the elevator, what happens? You just lost eleven cents. Right. Put it on your financial statements. You're done. When it happens to the when the happens to the farmer, well, the harvest price was this, and you had revenue guarantees. And if you had insurance, yeah. <clears throat> well, most most folks do, but I, and I know like and and guys get frustrated, right? Because they're like dead gummit because so I pay living I, expenses, not well, buying out of the contract. Well, that and also like. I didn't actually get a payout from my insurance because I only had 75% coverage and I grew more than usual. And yeah. actually my revenue, well, the reason is because your revenue was good enough, you know, or, or whatever, but, but yeah. Elevators it, don't have that. But if there's like an idea of like you do something, it goes more in that direction and then you have to undo it. There's a cost involved. Someone's going to bear a cost. Yeah. This is what it comes down to. So on the merchandise side, and if you've merchandised more than one season, this is this has happened to you. Yeah. Because it's all a guess. Unless you completely make the choice, I will do nothing ever on spreads until roll day. And that's fine. You won't find yourself in this pre-spread predicament on this side of it, but you could certainly be on the other side. Yeah. If you look time. at the inverted years, if you waited to the end, you're smoked. You're toast there, too. So what do you do? I don't know what these are going to do. What do you do? Well, I think the way you approach two ends of a thing that you don't really have a good grasp on is try to do something in the middle. And yeah. I think that is called risk management. That's right. Well, you know, and so it it hurts, you know, losing a dime or 12 cents oh, or whatever. Um, it's not fun. But the truth is being this price, if, if you're consistent, if you have a consistent plan, and and a plan of pre-spreading, you know, over time, you're going to be better off. Yeah, you yes. weren't this year, but the last three years when we rolled off at inverses, if you'd have set carries when they were available, guys were making an extra, you know, quite a bit. Yeah, forty cents. And it's, it is this like what you said. It's this uh, being inconsistent with your approach is what costs. Exactly. So the inverse years, you did, say you did nothing, and it smoked your position. And you get here like, well, I ain't doing that again. I'm going to do everything early. Well, and then you see what happened this year. So it, 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 it's not so much a prediction thing. We try to want to have indications of where things are going. Yes, we want to. And and we try to. But the thing is being consistent. You're in, you're out. Yeah. It's kind of like the guy that, you know, the proverbial farmer that sells, you know, one fifty second of his crop every week of the year just to try to come out average, you know, type of yeah. thing. It's consistent. If you're a producer and you like selling at harvest every year, be consistent. If you if you like selling before harvest, be consistent. You know, that's it's when you try to second guess things. You can hit a home run, don't get me wrong, but reversion to the mean is going to say you're also going to get hit upside the head at some yeah. point. Yeah, and just as long as you have a plan that is based around, you know, what happens more more often than not, you know, like like usually prices rally, you know, in the springs, early summer and and 
fall off after that in the harvest. It doesn't happen every year, but right. you know, usually it does. So if my plan is most of the time I try to make my sales ahead of time, you know, during that season, that's or get my costs covered great. ahead of time. How about yeah. that? I mean, whatever the metric is, have something that's meaningful, have something that you can exert some control over. And the third thing, which is the most important, is to be do it, be decisive, take action. Yeah. And then get back to don't let one year work because we know one or two out of 10 years, it's not going to work perfectly. It, that's not the perfect way to do it. But we don't know when those years are going to happen. And so we just have to be in position where eight out of 10 years that works. And what but what happens is the one year comes along and he's like, God, you know, that burned me. I'm not going to do it. And then you miss out on the next three or four years that that's what you're supposed to be doing. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to do this again. And then here we are again, you know, with it, with another base. So you get behind that. Well, be consistent. It's, <clears throat> but that's simple, Jason. Yeah. Uh, so what I was like to say, uh, I don't know if it was a Ronald Reagan quote. I think it was, but I bet we can he said, learn if it was or not. He said, uh, they say that the world has become too complex for simple answers. They are wrong. End quote. Love it. That I don't know if it's his or not, but it seems like something he'd say. Well, he's dead. We'll never know. <laughs> I can't ask him now. Yeah, it's too late. All right. So what, what else we got on the docket? Well, you know, I guess we touched a little bit on that huge corn roll from Deast to March. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about the new old CME rate rules, the actual, the change went into effect in like 2019 or so, uh, but we've had short crops since then. So it was a, not a VSR, <clears throat> so to speak, like the wheat, but it was a deal where they could up storage charges as uh, needed with big crops, you know, with the idea being the spreads would get bigger and keep basis from getting so low, right? But in, in a nutshell, and so there was an idea that maybe we saw some of that new rule so implemented this year. Well, it was implemented in 2019. It hasn't changed. And it's it's just that the, they it hasn't kicked like in. you said, it, it kicked in. So it's the fixed storage rates. Yeah. And so they just went up by a good bit. And you're what you're saying about kicked in is they haven't really mattered because we don't have a, a huge crop right. we're trying to carry. Right. But now we do have a huge crop we're trying to carry. So yeah. Um, how big can a carry get? Well, there's a limit. It's it's how much does storage at the facility cost plus interest and all that stuff to re-deliver on the next futures month. So if it gets above that, any proctologist in San Francisco can do that, can take advantage of it. So it gets what they call arbitraged out. That's a, I don't like to throw around my I, French history, I, but I, I is that a French word? Yeah. I feel like when I say it. I say it's like more gauge fromage More which gosh. i can't eat anymore the uh anyways. the the essentially what you just described is over convergence yeah okay if you say so and so anyways we're pushing so it pushes the the carry speaker but yeah the economist side of it like you were saying is uh as far as how it intertwines with basis is it's pushing more of the because there's a value of space Grain comes at one time a year. It's needed all throughout the year. So there is an economic necessity of somewhere the, the grain has to stay somewhere. And and in a free market system like we have most of the time, 
we um, there's a benefit, there's an economic benefit return to that whoever's willing to build the space, and that return comes in the form of basis and spreads, and uh, some combination. And the economist behind this push in the storage rates is we want more of that benefit to come from the spreads than the basis in years where we have these big carry uh, or we have big crops, I should Mm -hmm. say. And so that's what, so whereas before maybe 70% of the money came from basis and 30 from spreads, maybe now it's 50, 50 or or something like that is, uh, is the general. The The idea idea, we haven't, the idea behind it, tried it out to see how it's going to really do. So, I mean, in this first role we've had with a big crop was big, but the other part of that is, and we don't know, you can't parse it out, or at least we're not smart enough to parse it out uh, sitting at this table, is there seem to be a goodly amount of commercials with long futures mm. at the end of November for corn on December corn because they didn't get bought as much as I thought, you know, with either the sales they made in price or pre-spreads on or both. And so right. a spread, you know, what makes a spread get wider as a carry or narrower to an inversion is mainly predominantly a function of what's happening at front month right so mm-hmm. in this case what is there more december being bought or sold not so much it with the march because it's something like 80 something percent of the tr- volumes in the front month you right, know right so if there's a lot of commercials out there with long futures and they got a roll well they're going to be selling december buying march so a lot of selling pressure on december makes december futures level go down an equivalent amount of buying pressure on the mm-hmm. March makes it go up. That makes a carry spread yep. right? in my mind. Yep. And I'm showing you with my hands right now. Thank you. It makes it, you know, this does this, this does this. <laughs> and it's in between's the thing. So how much of that can we attribute the big spread to in this year? We, we don't know. I think a good chunk of it, honestly, yeah. because yeah, like you say, it's typically, um, pressure on the front month. So it would be selling pressure, meaning a lot of farmer selling will push that front. Cause we've seen years, a couple of years back where we had a pretty decent big crop and we got into roll time and the spread went away because nobody was selling it. Right. And e- even though the crop was there, it wasn't being sold. So there wasn't that selling pressure on the nearby to cause a carry. So I think this time, I don't think we had a ton of selling necessarily um some parts of the country for sure just for necessity reason they had good crops and stuff and they sold but um i think a lot of it was you know the push of commercials taking off those spreads especially at the end there because we saw it all happen in the last week or so no one wanted to roll longs into that carry and so they wait to the last end to see if they get more bought or you know what it is and then at the end everybody pukes it up and there you go Mm mm-hmm so, you know, but we get through this season, we get, you know, let the March and the May and probably the July roll off the board and we can look back and say, okay, this, we might piece together some idea of, you know, what really took place. Because the idea I think now is that there's not going to be as many long March futures come March, May roll to get off of. There could be. Possibly. Well, and I think we're going to see a lot of farmers selling. Like you were saying, right. the the interest uh, rate situation and the cost of, of not having things sold and we're going to have to start paying back loans and taking out new crop. And they're going to be new crop loans, uh, you know, in the spring for 10% interest and stuff. It's going to be, it's going to be a real deal. So, um, so I think there will be a lot of selling JFM probably. 
earlier this year than the past three, probably. So, however, when we look at the supply and demand numbers and that uh, stocks to use ratio is pretty strong uh, coming after strong as in big. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So coming after three years where it's been smaller. Uh, So so it's a big increase from year to year. So that's good. I think it's I think all this spells out for uh, sellers is if you're a cash seller, maybe don't expect as many opportunities to get good cash sales on as we've seen. Mm -hmm. Maybe there will be, but you better jump. And I get a second or third chance for basis sellers. I think it's going to be not overstaying the basis and understanding uh, what the the range is going to be from where you bought it. A lot of people that did get stuff bought at harvest this year was a little lower than average. Mm-hmm. So maybe you don't need basis to get up what you have seen it the last year or two to make good margins because you own it cheaper and there's a little bit bigger carries. So the idea of being able to, um, just be decisive when the time calls for, which applies every year. Yeah. And I'd say on the, the, the basis side of things, like you're saying, we're out of practice of trade and carry markets. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, as a Everybody. industry. And I will say, I mean, one thing about carry markets, I say they're not as fun. They're not as basis. It's not a vol- as volatile. And I say, especially when we're talking corn, um, you, you got, you talk about overstaying the basis and stuff. Yeah. Interest can start eating your lunch a little bit for sure. Uh, But these spreads are still pretty strong to cover it. And it's not the sort of thing when you have consistent large carries, the basis just doesn't fall off the map and run away from you. The the, Uh, the issue is going to be, are you treading water out there in the summer, not picking up anything, but yeah, that's, that'll be it. Yeah. It's, it's not like, not like inversion where it's going to, yeah, you you lost a bunch you. of money if you didn't sell early. Yeah. With this, it's like, well, eh, you know, you used money longer, but you came out about It'll be the same. more of a logistics on the back end type thing. Yeah, you got to tax it, and then it's going to be taxed. And I, I will say, if if what we say is true, if the JFM there is a lot of strong farmer selling, which would make sense, base is probably not going to be that strong. Nope. And so if you if you want to wait it out. You're going to uh, have to carry it. You're going to have to sell what gonna, you got to for cash logistics. You're, you're going to have to borrow it. a bunch of money, and but the spreads are going to cover it. It'll come back in the end, but it's just, it's not going to be fun, but the banks are going to have a great time. Yeah. You know? Well, the last few years, JFM has been a time of selling. Yeah. For commercial this year, it's probably not that way because yeah. it's carry markets. You don't, you don't sell ahead. You usually don't get a chance to sell ahead. Even for deferred numbers, you usually don't see good deferred pushes in the markets where that, can be common uh, because uh, that's just not uh, an attribute of a carry market. And that's so far that's held true this year. We haven't seen any big basis carries for the most part in mark in any market, even the, the fringe markets. Um, And in fact, a lot of places it's a nearby premium rolling premium nearby. There's, there's inversion in the basis bids, uh, flat or inverted basis bid structure out there. So in on which, you know, that's on top of carries that are out there. So that tells you, you know, where the need is. Yeah. Which makes sense, especially right now, yeah. because it's that like we're, we're recording this anyway. I don't know when it's going to be released, but we're recording this that week in between <laughs> the week between Christmas and new year's. Right. And nobody wants to do anything. Uh, we didn't even want to do this podcast. Well, that's for sure. And so, I mean, nobody wants to do anything. So nobody is trying to deliver corn and stuff. So basis is decently strong. And so the deferred stuff yeah. is, is a little weaker. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. 
Yeah. Well, the resellers always overextend their sales this time of year and they'll pay whatever number they need to, to get stuff bought in. So that's, you can rely on that. It's like death and taxes. Yeah. They will make it over converge if they need to. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, I think we're good on time for this one. So we'll, uh, we'll put a pin in it for there. We got, we got more stuff to get to in, uh, in future episodes, but uh, we look forward to seeing everybody out in the Happy world. Happy New Year. We will be in Nashville for our big conference, uh, January like 17th, 18th, something like that. Something like that. It's a Thursday, Friday. And uh, anyways, if you want to come uh, hang out with us and be in a room with a bunch of green merchandisers, uh, I say a, a couple hundred, at least from all over the continent. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so north so, of 200 now. So that's... Yeah. Shoot us a message and uh, if you want to want to come hang out or something, be glad to see you. So maybe. Other than that, see you next time. As always, thanks for downloading and listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with folks you know in the business. And if you'd like to reach out anytime about anything at all or have any show ideas, you can always find us on Twitter at Elevators Cut. Follow us there, tweet at us, DM us, and we'll always respond. Till next time, for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevators Cut. Oh.